This is uh, your first time. I'm Jeff, one of the elder pastors here at Substance. <clears throat> Glad to have the opportunity to open up God's Word this morning and uh, study it together. This week we're going to take a little detour off of our series out of Second Timothy. We'll jump back in next week. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this disciple-making discovery we've been having as we look into Second Timothy. We've been uh, learning about what it means to be disciples who make other disciples. And uh, we've been challenged on how to find our own Timothy to disciple. I hope you've done that. If not, keep praying about that. Find your Timothy and walk together with them and learn how to more fully love God. We've also been challenging uh, ourselves on how to live with the passions and the priorities of Christ as a disciple of Jesus. Now, today I'm going to uh, take us into a, one of Jesus' teachings in the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you want to work your way towards chapter 6 in the Gospel of Matthew, that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be in this great set of teachings from Jesus that he did on the Sermon on the Mount. This took me back to just this past October when Kim and I had uh, the opportunity to go to Israel and be a part of a study tour and uh, be on the very mount in which it's uh, somewhat sure that Jesus would have spent his time teaching this portion of text. This is one of those portions of text, though, that Jesus uh, really, really challenges people that are following him to start to dig in and look at their heart. And he teaches on things like anger and lust and divorce and retaliation against people. He teaches on generosity, on prayer, on judging others, and more fun stuff like that that had to really be uncomfortable for people as they listened. And it had to be uncomfortable for people because I think he was trying to teach them to introspectively look at their hearts and not so quickly say, yes, I'm a follower. It's easy for us to do if we're not careful. We can very easily know the right words to songs, the right order of worship, the right things to do. And yet Jesus seems in these sections of Scripture to push people to pause and look at their hearts. Because I think all of us can too easily deceive ourselves into thinking we're more faithful and more trusting in God than we are. When I read the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of like me getting on my scales at home after not being on them for a while. And when I get on them, I notice that's uh, not so good news. And uh, so I tweak my diet just a little bit. And then I go to the doctor, like I did uh, two weeks ago, and my scales weren't even close to his. And, and I'm sure he needs to adjust his scales to me. It doesn't work that way. But I got a real wake-up call, and... Uh, so when I read the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of like that, making sure I'm looking at my life accurately. And that's what Jesus is wanting his listeners to do. When he confronted regularly, friends, to look at our hearts, because our hearts are deceitful above all things. 
And we easily deceive ourselves. So in today's passage, in Matthew 6, Jesus is going to deal with, in verses 24 through 34, uh, on worry. Worry. And where worry comes from, and what are the results of worry, and really what is the root of worry. That's what we're going to look at this morning The truth is, worry is a heart issue that has to be dealt with because it's a spiritual issue. In setting up our study in verses 24 through 34, I want us to look at the verses before this, verses 19 through 24, and read those together. Because Jesus is going to use these to connect the teaching on worry And so it's really, really important that we understand why worry is so critical for us to deal with. Verse 19, chapter 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the verse that I think sets up our study this morning. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you catch that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very th- very important for us to think about that statement and then begin to connect this to worry because I think I noticed three things in this one simple verse out of 21. First is, every single one of us has treasures, don't we? All of us have treasures, and therefore we have treasure issues. The things we think we possess could be money, could be relationships, could be material things, but their cravings and desires we place a value in. And treasures, folks, this morning are either going to be you-centered or God-centered. Second, treasures control our hearts. That's what the text says in verse 21. They control our heart, our emotions, our passions, our our dreams, and our pursuits in life. They become the things we pursue and devote ourselves to. Treasures become the things, therefore, that we covet, things that we trust in for comfort and security. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And third, treasures reveal our allegiances. When you look at your treasures, they expose the things that you're truly devoted to. Jesus said our treasures become the things we serve or we become slaves to. They're the very things that bring worry to our life because you can't control them. You can't hold on to your treasures. And therefore, we desperately seek and worry about what might happen if they're removed are taken away. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Our our hearts always follow and reveal our treasures. So you look at our lives, you observe the way we act and the things we pursue, you will notice our treasures. They're observed in our actions. They're the things we trust, the things we spend time on, and the things, listen to this, that we fear not having. 
Treasures become the things we fear not having. Our treasures become the things we worry over because they're the things we think bring comfort, security, and stability to our lives. And so all of us battle to some degree of worry in our life. Amen? We worry about money. We can worry about jobs, health, stock markets, friendships, dating relationships, parenting, family situations, life situations. We worry about those because we begin to question what might happen if things don't turn out the way we hope and expect. The truth is, worry is a heart issue that needs dealt with because it reflects and reveals what we place trust in, what we place faith in, and what we substitute for God. Worry is debilitating. It can be consuming for some people. It'll affect some people physically, emotionally, and most certainly it affects everyone spiritually. Worry is something that takes your attention and your trust off of God and places your trust in your ability to control the situation. And so the fruit of worry is a life that focuses on self, lives in fear, challenges your faith, and lacks trust in God's provision and care for you. Happy subject this morning, yes? The deception of worry brings us self-reliance over a God-reliance. It removes our joy and contentment that God brings and replaces it with fear and uncertainty. It's deceptive in your life. And so the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 6 on worry pushes listeners and us to answer how much do you really trust God with every area of your life. That becomes the question, doesn't it? How much are you willing to trust God with every single thing and area of your life? Well, it's easy to say for most of us, sure, I I trust God. Yeah, and maybe you look back to a time you prayed a prayer and say you became a follower of Christ, and uh, that's good. But when life comes at you and you face uncertainty in life, when life's not turning out the way you planned it and you don't know the future or you don't have control over something, do you really trust God then? That's the question. Jesus addresses worry six times in the passage. He uses the word anxious, and let me just say this morning, he uses that synonymously with worry. And so if you were to do a word study, anxious means worry, not anxiety in a medical kind of sense. And three times, Jesus emphatically says, do not worry. And then he points out worry is a spiritual issue. And it reveals the lack of faith and trust a person has in God. Worry is brought on by surrendering your faith and trust in God and his ability to take you through what is causing your worry. Worry is a spiritual problem that must be confessed and surrendered to God. 
So as Jesus on this mountainside begins to teach on worry, he first begins with saying, look, all of us, not he, but all of us have treasure issues. So with that backdrop in mind, if you will, read with me verses 24 through 34 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus teaching on worry. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour or a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arraigned like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And notice this phrase, O you of little what? Faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is spoken from you, given to us to instruct us and guide us. Might this morning we look at the words of Christ and his teaching on worry and look deep within our heart and ask ourselves, what are the areas or things that we relinquish giving over to you in trust and faith. Might you be gracious in dealing with our hearts this morning, firm but compassionate, in Christ's name. Amen. Because we battle treasures, um, our hearts become divided and, and we become tempted to worry. Jesus was stressing that you can't have a divided heart, a, a divided trust, a, a divided devotion in your life. God alone must occupy this place in our lives. What Jesus is really saying and revealing, I think, in this text is that treasures reveal the things we want more than God. I think he's revealing not only are the things we want more than God, there's the things we trust many times more than God because in a strange way we become lured into believing, I can't trust God with this situation. 
Worry is being consumed by the fear that something will not turn out the way you want it to. It's a fear that you are not in control and you don't trust the results God might bring in this situation. It's you and your desire over trusting and loving the merciful God who stands by offering peace. It really reveals a lack of faith in who God is and what he might do. Worry becomes uh, worry comes when we focus on something other than God and try to possess it and trust it to bring you security and peace. Worry is being consumed with the protection and concern of things we have or results we want. You see, the spiritual root of worry is that we don't trust God with our things or our outcomes, Right? We're not willing to turn them over, so we worry, we, we worry, we worry. And when we do that, we begin this process of questioning, can I trust God that he has my best interests in mind and lack of faith in his protection and provision set in? We worry because we fear God may not act the way we want him to in a situation. Our lack of faith and trust in God then becomes on full display. Yes, worry is a spiritual problem. Worry is overcome by dealing with it in a spiritual manner. Friends, this morning, you and I need to know worry is a choice. It happens by our will and our actions. And therefore, you might have freedom if you are a warrior this morning. Never be deceived into thinking you're a victim. You must and can't overcome worry. Here's the question for each of us. We do this in our home sometimes, so Kim will smile when I say this. When we're tempted to worry, we say a phrase like this. What are you not willing to trust God with? What are you not willing to trust God with? And then most generally we'll follow up with this phrase that says, is this then too big for God to handle? And so when I face worry, which I have in my life, I must learn to divert my attention back to God and ask, am I willing to trust God with this? And is this too big for God to handle? Now, I want to address two things before we jump into verse 24 and look at what Jesus says in terms of how to overcome worry. First, concern and worry are two separate things. Concern allows me to be centered on God, to bring a situation or potential outcome to him. Concern leads me to prayer and reflection and seeking after God's intervention. Concern leads us uh, to a release of the situation. It causes me to trust in him and find comfort in God and his sovereignty over all things. It focuses us on God and reminds me of God's past faithfulness in all of my life. Concern 
is good. Worry, not so good. Worry is centered on me and my ability to control the situation and outcome. Leads me to try and work it out. It occupies my mental state and my emotional state. And I begin to think, how can I take matters into my own hand rather than turning to God and releasing it to him? Worry causes you to forget the past faithfulness of God and his love and his care for you. It causes you to fear the issue you worry about can't be trusted to God. And yet, deep in our hearts, we're prone to worry. Five keys that I think Jesus speaks of this morning in these verses, 24 through 34, that you and I can learn to implement in our life that Jesus teaches his hearers and teaches us through his word this morning. First is key, and it's found in verse 24. We need to learn to question and check our allegiance. Question and check your allegiance. Verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. So when temptation comes to worry, the first thing we need to ask is, how's your allegiance to God? How's your allegiance? Now the the, uh, word used uh, in verse 24, money, is the word called mammon, and the root word of that includes more than a financial exchange of things. It, It has to do with money, possession, resources, property, status, fame. It's it's a bigger word than a dollar bill kind of concept. So when Jesus says you can't serve God and money, it's like them hearing you can't serve God and have your confidence in resources, status, fame, positions, pride, whatever it is that you place your trust in. Because these become the idols of our life. These become the things that we say we trust God in all areas until one of these mammon areas get removed. And then we're shaken. What are those idols for you? Ask yourself this question. What would those around me say is the most important thing in my life? Look at your calendar. Look at the decisions you make. What first gets crowded out? What's the easiest thing to say, well, I don't have time for? The deception of worry leads you into thinking you're in control. And that you worry and worry and worry and can't trust this area to God. Scripture is very clear in 1 John chapter 2. We need to be careful not to love the world or the things of the world. Those things tend to occupy our minds and our hearts and the things that we place trust in. And our allegiances to the world and our passions and priorities are for those things over the passions and priorities of Christ as we've been learning in our disciple-making journey. You're unable to keep them and control them. And they're going to be 
become things you are slaves to and you worry over? What are the idols that have deceived you into thinking they'll provide you the security you need? What are, what are the things that you can honestly say, I trust you, God, but boy, if this one, this relationship, this bank account, this job, whatever it is, is removed, I don't know how I could face life. We all have them. Don't get me wrong, we all have them. And so the first thing we must learn to do is check our allegiance. Worry reveals a heart that is not trusting God, that is fearful to surrender allegiance completely to God in this area. Let me ask you a question. When you completely trust God, love Him and hope in Him, completely in any situation, no matter how great or small, is it possible or do you worry? When, when your focus comes off of you and the situation to God, I contend you can't worry because God takes over and brings the peace that he promised. The second thing that Jesus teaches is verse 25 and 26 is that I think you need to learn to claim the deception of worry. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they are? Jesus is saying, look at all the things around you, and yet you are more important than everything else. You and you alone have been created in the image of God to have a relationship with him. Worry is bad theology, folks. Here's what I mean. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Nothing more powerful than God. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing, knows all situations at all times. And he is omnipresent. That he is in all places at all times. He knows all. He's everywhere all the time. And he's over all. And so when you think about that, can you, can you really not trust God? Right? I mean, can you really not trust God, the God who is over all, who is all-powerful in all places at all time? You know, worry really begins to deceive us into thinking we know better than what God does, doesn't it? It compels you to trusting yourself and your abilities. It, it denies the sovereignty of God. And we begin to forget this phrase. Nothing in God's control is ever out of control. Do you know that? Nothing in God's control is ever out of control. Do you believe that? I do. Nothing in God's control is ever out of control, so why would I worry? You think of it this way, as Roman 8 says, if God is for us, who could be against us? If, if God can provide us with salvation, can you really not trust him with the other details of life? God is trustworthy. You can trust God with every area and every situation you face in life. 
worry is going to keep you from remembering the faithful times God has graciously and lovingly walked you through those most difficult times you have faced. And we all have them. Third, verse 27, confess the futility of worry. Confess the futility of worry. Verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? You know what? Worry is a, is a time waster. Does anything ever change by worrying? Except your trust and your faith in God. Worry brings more focus on me and my desires. It leads me away from trusting God and surrendering myself to his care, his concern, and his provision for me. Worry drives us away from loving God, who gave everything so that we could become his son or his daughter. Worry does not affect the outcome of what you're worrying about, but it does undermine your faith. Worry removes our faith and our trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. So in life, we need to claim the deception of worry. Confession will keep you focused and allow God to lead you through worry. Confession of worry as a sin will help you understand it's a spiritual issue. Confession will refocus you and help you overcome worry. There have been times in our life with uh, cancer issues in our own family that Kim and I have had to confess the sin of worry to God. You know, when we do... It's the flood of the peace that passes all understanding that comes over us and reminds us that nothing in God's control is ever, what? Out of control. Four, choose to trust in God's love and care. Verses 28 through 30. Jesus said, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Choose to trust in God's love and care. Overcoming worry is going to require you and I to make conscious decisions to focus and trust upon God. You have to ask yourself again, can I trust God? Can I not trust God with this? Remember God's care and present in the past. Remember those deep, dark times that You thought the world was coming in around you, and yet you discovered the closeness of the Christ who walked beside you through it. Think of those times when you're tempted to worry. Worry is a personal choice, and you don't have to worry. So so what's another step in this? And Scott this morning read it out of Philippians chapter 4. It says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Complete surrender and focus, if you will, trusting in God, calling on Him, crying out to Him, looking to Him alone. 
when you're tempted to worry. The result when we do that is the peace of God will fill our hearts and our minds and guard your heart and mind from the destructiveness of worry. Don't forfeit the peace God offers you in the storms of life by worrying. Don't forfeit the lesson God desires to teach us by worrying about the storms of life. Don't forfeit the spiritual growth times that come from suffering and struggling and learning to trust God more fully with them. Fifth, in closing, center your life on Christ. These great set of verses, 31 through 34, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Going back to verse 21, and the treasures that we all struggle against. Verse 21, let me remind us again what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Center your life on Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's impossible, friends, today, if you're not a believer in Christ, to gain victory over worry, probably. It's going to be difficult for you if we don't learn to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To deal with worry begins with your allegiance. God being at the center. And you can't deal with worry if your life is divided, if your sinful, selfish state is what drives you and not a God-centered drive, you're prone to naturally worry. You can't have a divided heart. The first step to worry-free living begins with surrendering to Christ. I want to remind you of what Jesus said just a few chapters later in Matthew 11. This great offer. And see if it doesn't sound like a great option of peace and comfort versus worry. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy to carry. You will find rest. Rest for your souls. Some are looking for rest for your souls. Jesus offers to come when you're weary and you're heavy laden and he will bring comfort and rest. Rest for your souls. Do you live in fear? Do you have worry that keeps you from loving and trusting God completely? Friends, Jesus offers freedom and peace and comfort. Learn to come to God, trust more fully in who he is, rely more completely on his love and care for you, surrender to his plans knowing you are to cast your worries on him for he cares for you. And when you do, you'll experience the peace of God that passes all understanding and a God who will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's pray.
Father, this morning, thank you again for the written word which you have given to us. Thank you that uh, you have never not only called us to yourself, but have given us everything in life we need to live out this Christian walk in a fallen, sinful world. I pray for those who this morning battle worry and would so desperately love to say, I'm free of worry. Might you grant to them a reminder of these passages that Jesus taught on, that they could be released from the bondage and the divided heart that's unable to completely trust and have complete faith in you. Come to me, you bid us. Come to me, and you will give us rest. Rest for our souls. Amen.